Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 45, verses 1 through 7. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him, and to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him, that gates may not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places, that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who called you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Thus far, God's holy word. You may be seated. In the name of Christ, who rules the world at our Father's right hand, dear fellow redeemed, do you understand the world? Might seem like a ridiculous question. Do you have an answer for every single time an earthquake ravages a small village? Every time a tsunami washes away a sea town? Or every time a terrorist group attacks and kills innocent people? Do you understand the world? The most common question following harrowing events like the ones I just mentioned is why did this happen? Or something like, how could God let this happen? And it can be quite difficult for us to find a reasonable explanation for how a loving God can allow such a terrible disaster to occur. It almost seems as if it's easier to say, things happen. God doesn't control what goes on. However, in our text for this morning, God makes it absolutely clear what his role in this world is. He does rule over and control the world. There is no other. The Lord controls the world. Let me remind you of the historical timeline in which our text takes place. The Lord is speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet during the later part of the 700s B.C. until the 680s B.C. Judah was a very wicked nation during this time, and often his ministry included a warning to the people of impending judgment. And yet Israel's, Isaiah's ministry was not all doom and gloom. His name literally means Jehovah is salvation. 
and his name fits perfectly. It describes the substance of his ministry. The last half of the book of Isaiah is often called the Gospel of the Old Testament because it is filled with the assurance of deliverance for the to-be captives, captive nation of Judah. God declares that they will be set free from their bondage to the Babylonians, who were not even a powerful nation during the life of Isaiah. They would rise to be the most powerful nation at the time of the captivity. More than a century before all this would take place, the Lord predicts through his prophet the captivity and the subsequent rescuing of his people. And it is the agent of that delivery that is talked about in our text for this morning. Cyrus the Great. Cyrus was born around 580 BC, more than 100 years after Isaiah lived. And according to legend, he was thought to have been born with supernatural qualities. He is the one who consolidated control over the Medes and the Persians. He conquered most of the ancient world, including the most powerful city and sole superpower, Babylon. He was admired by all, even those who came under his control. He was unique in his time because he permitted many of the captive nations to retain their customs, traditions, religions, and ways of governing while remaining under Persian control. During his conquests, there was not a nation that stood in the way of Cyrus. He conquered them all. Why the history lesson this morning? Because it provides a context for the prophecy that the Lord declares concerning Cyrus. Yes, Cyrus was a great military leader, and he made his mark on history. But it wasn't because Cyrus himself was so great. Rather, it was because the Lord himself chose him as his anointed one and made sure that Cyrus was successful. The Lord said of Cyrus, I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places, that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who called you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Over a hundred years before the man is even born, the Lord calls Cyrus by name and declares, I, the Lord, will bring this to pass. The Lord is the one who gave Cyrus a victory over his enemies 
The Lord gave Cyrus a victory over the great fortified city of Babylon. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord is behind every single success that Cyrus was to find. Why? Why Cyrus of all people? For the sake of Jacob and Israel. For the sake of God's people. The people who fell into judgment over their wickedness. The Lord would use this heathen leader to deliver them from their judgment and fulfill His promise to them. And not only that, but also that the whole world would know that the Lord, Jehovah, is the only God there is. And this too was brought to pass. Even Cyrus realized that he was blessed by God. In 2 Chronicles 36, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may the Lord his God be with him, let him go up. This was a decree that went out throughout his entire empire, which included most of the known world. All peoples would hear this proclamation that the Lord Jehovah is a God who gave Cyrus all that he has. This does not mean that all people would believe in the Lord. And not even Cyrus himself. But all people can look to Cyrus and know that the God of Israel and Judah is powerful. He is a God who controls the world and brings nations to power and causes nations to fall away. Cyrus is but a blip on the timeline of history. While he has yet remembered in the history books, his kingdom perished. It crumbled at the hand of Alexander the Great. He was a servant of the Lord in the sense that the Lord used him to accomplish his divine purpose. But just like every other nation of the world, his time came to an end, and another took his place. Now how does this help us answer the dilemma at the beginning of the sermon? How are we to make sense of the fact that God controls the world, but senseless acts of violence continue to occur? Certainly it makes it seem like the use of Cyrus was a one-off happenstance that God doesn't do anymore. But that isn't true. God clearly stepped into his history with his calling and using of Cyrus. It was for the benefit of his people to fulfill his promise to them and also to other people that like us, 
we might recognize the Lord as a true and only God. But this is not the only time that the Lord, Jehovah, stepped into history. He did so again in an even more marvelous way than he did with Cyrus about 500 years later. The Lord himself stepped into history as a baby of the Virgin Mary. When the Son of God was born in this world, everything had to be perfect. Paul writes to the Galatians in chapter 4 that the fullness of time had come. And the Lord had used the Roman Empire with its universal language, its Pax Romana, or Roman peace, its extensive roadway construction to set the stage for his mission on this earth and bring to pass that fullness of time. Then the Lord God, Jehovah himself, took on human flesh. He came to walk this earth in the same manner that you and I do, but without a lick of sin. And this too, like Cyrus, was predicted hundreds, even thousands of years before it came to pass. Over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament declared that the Messiah would come, God himself, in order to redeem his people and the world from their sins. And God did come. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, exactly the way God predicted it would happen. He did live a perfect life according to God's law. He spoke with the authority of God, the very words of God. He was betrayed. He was beaten. He was sentenced to death and suffered the excruciating pain and humiliation of the cross in the same manner that it was prophesied of him so many years before. There is no greater way God can step into history than the work that Jesus did on this earth. But why do we see terrible atrocities like the Hamas attack on Israel? Because this world is infected with sin. It is dying because it is so corrupted by sin. Not just the sins of Hamas or the people in other countries, but because of the sin of this country, of this state, of this town, because of the sins of you and me. Our sin contributes to the evil in this world. Our sins bring disaster, destruction, and death. The sins of Judah and Israel brought judgment upon their nations. So also our sins and the sins of the world will bring judgment upon the world. And what will that judgment be on your life. To those who turn their back to the Lord, it will inevitably end in eternal death. That is the ultimate punishment for sin.
But just as the Lord stepped into history through Cyrus to deliver His people from their bondage in Babylon, so also the Lord stepped into history Himself in order to deliver you from the bondage of your sins. Jesus became your very substitute. He lived His perfect life so that it becomes your perfect life in faith. He died on the cross where you and I belong. He was forsaken by God when you and I should have been the ones who were forsaken. But from the moment Jehovah took on human flesh to the moment that He was placed in the grave, He walked this earth with one purpose in mind. To make you His child. And even when He was placed in the grave, death could not hold Him. But God accepted His payment for your sins and mine, and Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered death forever. Can you think of a greater instance where God has stepped into history? It is impossible. Jesus' death on the cross and His resurrection was accomplished for the sins of the whole world. And it includes your sins and mine. Predicted thousands of years in the past, brought to fulfillment in the life of Jesus. And now the lasting effects of Jehovah is salvation continues to this very day until the end of the world. This gospel message, this good news of sins forgiven through Jesus' blood does not fade away. It is not lost to the history books. Rather, it lives on and it is active every single day in the lives of God's people. Every single day, you can find forgiveness from God because of what Jesus has done for you. Every night, you can close your eyes confident that the Lord is watching over you because it is your Savior ruling at God's right hand. Every moment of every single day, you are a walking testimony that I am the Lord. There is no other. Besides me, there is no God. Back to my original question. Do you understand the world? Maybe a little bit better. The world is littered with sin, and there will continue to be evil things done by mankind and the effects of living in a sinful world through natural disasters. But the Lord your God says, Do not be afraid. Why? Because there is no other. The Lord rules over the world. He proved His power to do so by calling Cyrus before he was even born to be the deliverer of God's people from Babylon. And even more so, the Lord Himself stepped into history to be your deliverer from the captivity of sin and death. 
and because Jesus did not remain in the grave, but He rose from the dead and lives forevermore, He gives you the assurance that you too shall live for eternity. And until that day comes, He remains at the right hand of power, ruling over this world so that He can do what He sees as best for you, His dear child that He gave up His life for. There is no other God. The Lord Almighty reigns. Amen.